Heavenly Father, as we come to you today, we ask that the Holy Spirit will be with us in our presence. As we listen and open up our Bibles, we would pray, Lord, that the Holy Spirit would guide our thoughts heavenward. Help us to recommit our lives to the spiritual life that God calls us to be. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Happy Sabbath. Everybody have their Bibles. We're going to be going through using the Bibles. Let me see them. I want to see these Bibles up in the air because we're going to be going through these Bibles a lot today. So um, as long as we've got our Bibles in front of us, we'll be all right with the Lord, right? So today's message is entitled, Empowering Servant Leadership. Now this entire Sabbath school course that we've been going through this quarter is focusing on evangelism and witnessing. A companion book that comes with this is The Big Four. How many have actually read this book or checked it out of our library and going through it along with the lessons? If you are, it's a blessing. Truly a blessing and an acknowledgement of how the Lord can work within the church through people who are faithful to him and doing God's will. And the big four is what I'll be talking on, the first four today. At another time, I may be speaking at some other portions of this book. But keep it in mind, if you don't have it, please get it if you can, order it, check it out from the library, go through it as we go through our Sabbath school lessons, and you will be blessed at how much information is in addition to our regular quarterlies in that book. What does the Seventh-day Adventist Church look like from the inside out? We will look at this today, and in future sermons, we'll present it on the big four. Today, we'll be looking at the first big four, which is empowering servant leadership. How many have heard that term before, empowering servant leadership? Not too many people? Some? If you have seen this little booklet, how many have seen this little booklet? NCD, Natural Church Development. This booklet also has the top eight things that make a church as thriving and successful in our denomination. And this is another good book that would be a wise thing to get a hold of to see how you can have your part in the church growth of God. So what does the word empowering mean? Empowering is a verb, which means to give power or authority to someone to fulfill a purpose. What does the word servant mean? Servant is a noun that means a person in the service of another, especially one that performs under a master. And finally, what does leadership mean? Leadership has been described as the process of social influence in which one person can enlist the aid and support of others in the accomplishment of a common task. Let's open up our Bibles to Matthew chapter 25 for our first scripture reading in reference to empowering servant leadership. Jesus gave an excellent example in Matthew 25 on this subject. Matthew chapter 25, starting in verse 14. For the kingdom of heaven is a man, is as a man traveling into a far country, who called his own servants and delivered unto them his goods. And unto one he gave five talents, to another two, and to another one, every man according to his several ability, and straightway took his journey. Then he that had received the five talents went and traded with the same, 
and made them other five talents. So now we have ten talents. And likewise, he that had received two, he also gained other two. So now we have fourteen. And he that received one went and digged in the earth and hid his Lord's money. So now we have thirteen. After a long time, the Lord of those servants cometh and reckoning with him, with them. And so he that received the five talents came and brought other five talents, saying, Lord, thou deliverest unto me five talents. Behold, I have gained beside them five talents more. His Lord said unto him, Well done, good thou and faithful servant. Thou hast been faithful over a few things. I will make thee ruler over many things. Enter thou into the joy of thy Lord. He also that had received two talents came and said, Lord, thou deliverest unto me two talents. Behold, I have gained two other talents beside them. His Lord said unto him, Well done, good and faithful servant. Thou hast been faithful over a few things. I will make thee ruler over many things. Enter thou into the joy of thy Lord. Verse 24. Then he which had received the one talent came and said, Lord, I knew thee that thou art a hard man, reaping where thou hast not sown and gathering where thou hast not strawed. And I was afraid and went and hid my talent in the earth. Lo, there thou hast that is thine. His Lord answered and said unto him, Thou wicked and slothful servant, thou knewest that I reap where I sowed not and gather where I have not strawed. Thou oughtest therefore to have put my money to the exchangers. And then, at my coming, I should have received mine own with usury. Verse 28. Take therefore the talent from him, and give it unto him which hath ten talents. For unto every one that hath shall be given, and he shall have abundance. But from him that hath not shall he be taken away, even that which he hath. So again, a very good lesson on developing something simplified, but multiplying it twice as many. But the Lord wants us to do the same for the church. He doesn't want us to take our talents, our gifts, our specialties, and then bury them in our house or bury them in our car or bury them in the dirt. He wants us to use them. He guides us with the Holy Spirit so that we know what our gifts can be. And what our gifts are, God wants us to use them so we can multiply his people and multiply the church. But again, of course, it's the Holy Spirit that's doing the multiplying and God who gives the increase. But we have our part to do. And Jesus made that quite clear in this parable. The church needs strong spiritual leadership. Leadership centered not in the propagation of self, but in the building up of the body of Christ. We've been going through a nominating process. We started kind of this process during the nominating committee time. Some of you have been called and asked if you would be a head leader of one of the departments. And then what the nominating committee asked you to do is to choose some people that you would think would be helpful in that area that you are in charge of or have been called to be a servant to. And we said, go ahead and call these people and find out if they're interested in doing this work with you and serving in this manner. And some have had the privilege of experiencing that. That's another way of empowering someone else to do something else that the God needs done in the church instead of having the nominating committee do everything. So we're giving power over to lay people as God sees best fit. And the lay people take the initiative to be leaders who we have chosen to be leaders and accepted to say, yeah, I'm going to take my first move as a leader and call certain people and ask if they're interested in these positions. And so they did that. 
And then it comes back to the nominating committee. We look it over and say, yeah, that's okay, or we voted in, whatever the case may be. And then we put it on the nominating list. And as a result of that, it's not just the nominating committee that was choosing the people for the next two years. It was the leaders as well who had their part in choosing leaders and participants for the next two years. So whatever area you may be serving in for the next couple of years, those are the areas that you are responsible for in the house of the Lord. So what is the biblical role of a spiritual leader? Now you have on our list leaders and you have those who are underneath the leaders. We're talking about primarily any spiritual leader, whether it be an elder, a deacon, fellowship head, whatever the case may be, Sabbath school, wherever the head is, uh, men's ministries, women's ministries, these are the roles of a spiritual leader according to the word of God. The first thing a spiritual leader needs to have is to maintain a close relationship with the Heavenly Father. So if you open up to Matthew chapter 6, we can read another portion of advice from the Bible. Matthew chapter 6, starting in verse 5. And when thou prayest, thou shalt not be as the hypocrites are, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and in the corners of the streets, that they may be seen of men. Verily I say unto you, they have their reward. But thou, when thou prayest, enter into thy closet, and when thou hast shut thy door, pray to thy Father which is in secret, and thy Father which seeth in secret shall reward thee openly. But when ye pray, use not vain repetitions, as the heathen do, for they think that they shall be heard for their much speaking. Be not ye therefore like unto them, for your Father knoweth what things ye have need of before ye ask him. After this manner, therefore, pray ye. And then he tells us the Lord's Prayer, as is written there in Matthew chapter 6. So it's an important thing to have a leader who is prayerfully minded. If they're not prayerfully minded, they should not be a leader of any sort. And Jesus told us that the type of prayers are needed for the growth of the church. It's not just a matter of doing something for the church. It's a matter of faithfully getting on our knees, praying to God, and accepting him for his guidance and direction as leadership. Mark one thirty-five also has a little bit of advice for us. Mark chapter 1, verse 35. It says, And in the morning... Rising up a great while before day, he went out and departed into a solitary place and there prayed. Who are they speaking about here? Jesus. So Jesus is the real spiritual leader of the church. And he's the one that we got to look to as leaders and try to follow the pattern he set as an example in the Bible. So the first one is to maintain a close relationship with the Father. The second thing, Jesus explained as a leadership role. You must be able to preach, teach, or live the word of God. One of those three, two of those three, all three of those three. John 17. Has a outline for us to look at now. 
John chapter 17, verse 14. I have given them thy word, and the world hath hated them, because they are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. I pray not that thou shouldest take them out of the world, but thou shouldest keep them from the evil. They are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. Sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. As thou hast sent me into the world, even so have I also sent them into the world. Verse 19. And for their sakes I sanctify myself, that they also might be sanctified through the truth. Neither pray I for these alone, but for them also which shall believe on me through their word, that they all may be one, as thou, Father, art in me, and I in thee, that they also may be one in us, that the world may believe that thou hast sent me. So here Jesus is saying that the truth is what sanctifies leaders. If you can't believe the truth of God's word, you should not be a leader. If you believe in the truth of God's word and you fulfill the word of God in your life, it is a possibility that you are a powerful spiritual leader. 2 Timothy chapter 3. In the New Testament, a few books over. Right after Thessalonians. 2 Timothy, chapter 3, starting in verse 16. All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. That also means woman or man. I charge thee, therefore, before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall judge the quick and the dead at his appearing and his kingdom. Preach the word. Be instant in season, out of season. Reprove, rebuke, exhort with all longsuffering and doctrine. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but after their own lusts shall they heap to themselves teachers having itching ears, and they shall turn away their ears from the truth and shall be turned unto fables." But watch thou in all things, endure afflictions, do the work of an evangelist, make full proof of thy ministry. So preach, teach, and live the word of God. The third role of a spiritual leader. He must have a part in meeting the needs of the people. He or she must have a part in meeting the needs of the people. Acts chapter 9 is a good example of this. And I think we studied this in the quarterly already this this season. Acts chapter 9, starting in verse 36. Now there was at Joppa a certain disciple named Tabitha, which by interpretation is called Dorcas. This woman was full of good works and alms deeds, which she did. And it came to pass in those days that she was sick and died. Whom then they had washed, they laid her in an upper chamber. And for as much as Lydda was nigh to Joppa, and the disciples had heard that Peter was there, they sent unto him two men, desiring him that he would not delay to come to them. Then Peter arose and went with them. 
When he was come, they brought him into the upper chamber, and all the widows stood by him weeping and showing the coats and the garments which Dorcas had made while she was with them. But Peter put them all forth and kneeled down and prayed, and turning him to the body, said, Tabitha, arise. And she opened her eyes, and when she saw Peter, she sat up. So there you have a disciple, Tabitha or Dorcas, who provide the needs of the people. She died. People missed her, and they said, these are the things that she did for us. We want her to come back to life so she can continue her ministry. Peter came and said, sure, no problem. I'll do that for you. Bam, it was done. So meeting the needs of people carries a very important part of spiritual leadership. And then, of course, this morning we looked at Matthew chapter 25 in our Sabbath school. I believe it's the same. Matthew chapter 25, verses... 35 to 40. For I was a hungered and he gave me meat. I was thirsty and he gave me drink. I was a stranger and he took me in. Naked and he clothed me. I was sick and he visited me. I was in prison and he came unto me. Then shall the righteous answer him, saying, Lord, when saw we thee and hungered and fed thee, or thirsty and gave thee drink? When saw we thee a stranger and took thee in, or naked and clothed thee? Or when saw we thee sick or in prison and came unto thee? Verse 40. And the king shall answer and say unto them, Verily, I say unto you, Inasmuch as ye have done it unto one least of these, my brethren, ye have done it unto me. So have a part in meeting the needs of people. Four, help and teach others to do the same. This is where a portion of discipleship comes in. As leaders, it's our responsibility to help others who fall under our direction and guidance to help them become a leader one day in the future so that the message can be carried forward in that pattern or ministry. So help and teach others to do the same. Matthew chapter 9, verse 36 to 38. Matthew 9, verse 36. But when he saw the multitude, he was moved with compassion on them because they fainted and were scattered abroad as sheep having no shepherd. Then saith he unto his disciples, The harvest truly is plenteous, but the laborers are few. Pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest, that he will send forth laborers into his harvest. So here Jesus is saying it's not as important to just do the motions. It's more important to help someone else fulfill those motions, those responsibilities, those ministries, to spread through the church. So that in the future, they also will have a part in doing that for someone else. So it's an ongoing uh, challenge. And that way, you always have people who are learning to do things and able to fulfill God's household, whatever talent they may have. So you kind of mingle together and come together in that aspect, working together, learning together, and growing together. So you help and teach others to do the same in the ministry that you have been called to do. 2 Timothy 2.2 is another verse to keep in mind. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 2. And the things that thou hast heard of me among many witnesses, the same commit thou to faithful men, who shall be able to teach others also. So it's important to be able to teach others the same ministry that God has called you to do if they have a desire or their, their talent is there to do so. So then we're looking at the talents multiplying instead of just getting buried. 
or just being used one time. You're multiplying those talents in the church. And then finally, five, says, live a life of service and sacrifice. Now, this is probably the hardest one of being a leader. And I'm sure that all of us struggle with this. I know I struggle with a lot of these that I've mentioned today. But it's a, it's a matter of changing your heart and your desire and your mind to transform. Let Jesus and the Holy Spirit transform you into this image of a spiritual leader that he wants us to be. But this is one of the most difficult to face. Luke chapter 9. And there are other scriptures as well that can point to this point. But we don't have time to go into all of them today. Luke chapter 9, starting in verse 23. And he said to them all, again, Jesus is speaking, If any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. For whosoever will save his life shall lose it, but whosoever will lose his life for my sake, the same shall save it. For what is a man advantaged if he gain the whole world and lose himself or be a cast away. For whosoever shall be ashamed of me and of my words, of him shall the Son of Man be ashamed when he shall come in his own glory and in his Father's and of the holy angels. But I tell you the truth, there be some standing either here which shall not taste of death till they see the kingdom of God. Again, Live a life of service and sacrifice. Our time is just about up. In Gospel Workers, it is said, In laboring where there are already some in the faith, the minister should at first seek not so much to convert unbelievers as to train the church members for acceptable cooperation. Let them labor for them individually, endeavoring to arouse them to seek for a deeper experience themselves and to work for others. When they are prepared to sustain the minister by their prayers and labors, greater success will attend his efforts. Gospel Workers, page 196. So I ask you, what kind of leader do you want to be? Here's a synopsis of the old two types of leaders that we are most familiar with. Leaders who develop followers and leaders who develop leaders. And I'm going to go down a list, and if you can picture kind of a chart. Leaders who develop followers need to be needed. Leaders who develop leaders want to be succeeded. Leaders who develop followers focus on weakness. Leaders who develop leaders focus on strengths. Leaders who develop followers hoard power. Leaders who develop leaders give power away. Leaders who develop followers spend time with others. Leaders who develop leaders invest time with others. Leaders who develop followers grow by addition. But leaders who develop leaders grow by, what do you think? Multiplication. Leaders who develop followers impact people they touch personally. 
There's nothing wrong with that. But leaders who develop leaders impact people that is beyond their reach. See the difference there? So those are the two types of leaders, and I ask you, what kind of leader do you want to be in the 2012-2014 season? Heavenly Father, we thank you again for this message today. We pray that we would humble our hearts in service for thee, acknowledging that our mindset should be one to glorify our Heavenly Father. We would pray that this message would be implemented into our congregation. Bless our leaders for the next couple of years, Lord. Help each member of the church do their part, for the work of God is abundance, and we would pray for laborers into the harvest field, for your soon return is at our hands. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.